You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 2. Thank you for joining us, listeners, to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. Today's broadcast is C2E5 for Theme Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Today's broadcast is a focus on music from games only available in Japan on a program we're calling Nihon Dake Day. And of course, as always, I'm joined by Hugh. How's it going, Hugh? Pretty good, pretty good. And you're positive that that doesn't translate to like wonton soup or something. Well, I can tell you, it, it's moments like this, it's important to keep the distinction between accuracy and precision. I can tell okay. you that it's accurate to the point that it expresses the intended purpose only in Japan. But I can't tell you how precise it is. Like it could be something like just Japan. Yes. Okay. But that's close I, enough. I, I was just listening to a podcast about people who have Asian tattoos that don't say what they think they say. Oh, yes, I know about those. I love that. (laughs) Of course, if I were ever going to get a tattoo, it would just be like the uh, image missing icon from Windows 95, or it would just be like the word tattoo in the blandest font and like brackets. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't have a real high pain threshold, so I've never really even thought about getting one. 
I've thought about it, but every time I have the money for a tattoo, I decide to spend it on some toy instead. Yeah, that's probably a good choice. I mean, I have nothing against tattoos. It's just not my thing, personally. Yeah, no. But I, I have a wife that's more tatted than me, so... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll get a tattoo someday. Maybe I won't. But uh, So, anyway, yes, this is a very exciting subject. This is um, all music from games only available in Japan. And and I don't know about about your tracks, Hugh, but for my selections today, I even went so far as to make sure that there wasn't another version of the game on a different system that was released in America. Yeah, I think that's true for everything except maybe one. Okay. We have one game that was released on a different system in America. Okay. Okay. But it's a different... The game was released in America but has a different soundtrack in America. Oh, okay. On. Well, there you uh, go. <laughs> Okay, that works. Um, our opening track today is from Star Cruiser, and this is the Sharp X68000 version. The name of the track is Saturn, which I guess led to some confusion during our planning stage there, didn't it, didn't it Hugh? Yeah, I thought it was this, a game for the Saturn, and I was commenting on how amazing it was they made this chiptune soundtrack for a Saturn game. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I don't think it's ever been done, and I don't think it ever will be done outside a lab. But the Sega Saturn sound system actually can perform proper FM like this, like yeah. live. Yeah, yeah. So you theoretically could do this exact same piece exactly like this on a Saturn and have it not be a sample. So, um, like I said, I don't think it's ever been used, but it's out there. Um, Star Cruiser, I first, was in, I first discovered this game through the uh, Mega Drive version. Uh, okay. And there, there's a the soundtrack. The soundtracks are interesting because the majority of the tracks are common between the versions, but then each uh, each version has tracks that are unique to it as well. And I and I want to say this track is uh, 68k only. So, but I I love I love that you know that percussion that minimal percussion. It really makes me think of like Golden Axe the arcade game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I can hear that. Um, but the, the the soaringness of the chords and all that stuff, it doesn't make me think of Golden Axe at all. It makes me think of, um, I don't know. I mean, like, this could be a track to open an episode of Hearts of Space, frankly. You know, it's really kind of got that great spaciness to it. Um, Actually, now that you mentioned Golden Axe, now I can only picture it as an overworld stage in Golden Axe. Well, it's the percussion. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I really was pleased when I discovered this track. I think it sounds great. I think it um, it makes great use of the sound chip. You had mentioned that you, you had expressed a little bit of surprise in that this was not the same sound chip that they use in the Sega Genesis. Yeah, I looked into that. It's not it's not the exact same one. It's similar, but it's not not the same one at all. I kind of assumed that Sega would have chosen a chip that developers in Japan were already uh, really familiar with. Yeah, this is the same chip that they use in the majority not the, not exclusively, but the majority of um, mid '80s to early '90s arcade games. Yeah, and it's um, it's got its pros and cons against the Genesis. Its uh, its FM capabilities are more advanced. It it has more channels. It uh, it's four operator sign like Genesis, but it has extra distortion uh, capabilities and stuff, and it's a higher uh, bit rate output. So. But it has no sampling capabilities, uh, mm -hmm. like the Genesis sound chip. Now, the Sharp X68K does have, and I, I don't quote me on this, I think it's the um, Okidata MSM62 something. It's the same chip they use in the Capcom uh, CPS-1, so like Street Fighter and, and uh, 
Street Fighter 2 and uh, Ghost, Ghouls and Ghosts and stuff like that. This is the same sound system as those are using, but this track isn't using the sampler at all. So it's just pure FM. Uh, what do you think of this track besides the tech and besides Golden Axe? Um, I mean, it's very it's very relaxing. You know, it's a very kind of calming track. I mean, I don't know if it's it's a more exciting part of the game. Um, but I actually find it kind of kind of laid back. Yeah, I think um, I think it's very very much got that that um, it's a great episode opener. Yeah. Kind of did a, we mention who the composer is? You know what? We never did. This is composed by Tosh, Toshia Yamanaka, who I think did the other versions of the game also. But I think that's you know I think that's about all I have to say about this track. The game, uh, from what I've seen of it, I've never played it, and that's going to be a, a theme here. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not positive I've played any of the games that I've. I brought to the party today. I don't think I've okay. played a single one of them. Um, but it looks like a kind of a Doom or Wolfenstein style 3D environment, but you're in ships, kind of in an arena. Yeah, like a Descent-ish kind of thing. I guess so. I guess so. Um, I mean, not with the whole 3D environment and getting nauseous all the time like you do in Descent. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess that's close enough. I guess that's close enough. We'll go with that. If anyone listening to this, and, and this is an invite for the entire episode, if you've played any of the games that we share today, and we don't know about, very much about the games, take your take your opportunity to tell everyone about the games, including us. Uh, this is an episode of almost entirely music and very little uh, history and memories and experience and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's my first track. What's your first track, Hugh? Well, if we're if we're gonna do only in Japan, then I'm I have to pick a super graphics game because that is the most only in Japan game system imaginable. Yes. And uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Madu King Grand Zord, and uh, this is stage one. Okay, let's uh, let's check it out.
Yeah, so this is uh, the, the one super graphics game that is not a shooter. Uh, the composer is Norhiko uh, Yamanuki. Apologies in advance to him. Um, and yeah, I just this is if you, I know you said you didn't play most of these games. I did play this one because uh, the super graphics is kind of a staple of retro game conventions. And this is, um, I, I guess it's not the only non-shooter because Ghouls and Ghosts is not a shooter either. Right. Um, but this is a kind of Keith Courage and Alpha Zone type game. Um, yeah. That's why I really compare it to it. It's like an upgraded Keith Courage. And without the without the scenes outside the suit, right? It's just the suit yeah, scenes. Just the suit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just the good part of Keith Curtis. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's okay. really difficult. I mean, it is really, really hard. This is why I picked stage one because if you can get to stage two, you're you're very good at the game. Okay. When I was putting my list together, I almost included a, a stage three from this game. Okay. Um, but it's just what sounded good to me. I, well, I hadn't heard stage one. Uh, I like this one. Um, it's got it's not overly energetic, but it's it's got a um, it's got a good drive to it. It's got a good yeah. melody to it. I like the the way I always describe the turbographic sound, especially the bass, is uh, velvet gravel, mm-hmm. and it's very much got that velvet gravel bass. Um, it's it's buzzy, but it's got a, it's punchy to the front end of it. You know, it's I, I love the sound set of the turbographics um, very much so, very much so. Um, a couple years ago, I teamed up with a guy named Bryce Dumont, who runs a TurboGrafx-16 game-by-game podcast called TurboTastic. And we actually did a trio. It was our first ever mini-series on Nerd Noise Radio, where we did three full Channel 1 episodes of uh, nothing but TurboGrafx music. And com- between the three episodes combined, it was like 150 tracks. So... Something like, well, no, no, it was 130 tracks. I'm sorry, it was 130 tracks. That's a lot of tracks regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was also, you know, over three episodes. So Yeah, and if you include CD games in there, there's 400 CD games to choose from, I think. We did include a number of a number of those. I, what I'll do in the show notes is um, I'll include links to those episodes as well as uh, at one point... I was about to rerun the episodes, but I was also putting out an all call for tracks. Get me tracks for this or, or that. And uh, in that announcement, I also included, since the I knew the TurboGrafx reruns were coming right around the corner, I included a snippet from my golden episode, which tells the story of the first 50 episodes about the TurboGrafx series. So you hear the whole story. So I'll include all those links in the show notes when I put this up. Um, the thing about this game, I haven't played it, but I've seen enough images of it and footage of it the super graphics genuinely does add extra power to the system but this game doesn't look like it's taking advantage of any of that it really looks in in terms of super graphics versus turbo graphics this looks turbo graphics to me it, it does yeah yeah it just looks like a regular turbo graphics game mm-hmm. yep um it doesn't it's not in high resolution it's it doesn't seem to be loaded with sprites like a super graphics game would it doesn't seem to be using parallax i mean the sprites are big the game is very colorful but a turbo a base turbo graphics could handle all that stuff so um i don't i don't know what it's what the super graphics is bringing to the table here yeah a lot of a lot of like 32x games have the same feel too though of like you probably could have just done this on the, the regular genesis i mean some of them are just like slightly upscaled genesis games i guess yeah um more colors on the character layer and then just a genesis layer for the background graphics yeah sometimes the difference is not very profound i'll give you that 
Um, okay, well, still, if I if I ever had a chance to get a Super Graphics in this game, I would, for a reasonable price, I would certainly do it. Um, our next game, we're going to go ahead and stay with Turbo Graphics. Uh, this is a regular PC Engine game, but the reason I chose it is not only is the music really good, but it I feel like it really does an excellent job of utilizing the TurboGrafx sound hardware, which is something we'll talk about on the flip side. Our next track is going to be Torrid City from Metal Stoker, composed by Hiroto Saito and or Nozomu Takahashi. Let's check it out. That was Torrid City from Metal Stoker on the PC Engine, composed by Hiroto Saito and or Nozumo, Nozomu Takahashi. Hey, what do you think? I really like this song. I, I don't know if I'd even heard of this game before. Um, looks like kind of maybe like a time pilot style game. Looks that way. Yeah, yeah. And this is a really, really fun song. There's a lot going on there. I mean, you can hear... I, I mean, I don't know how many channels you're are playing, but... I mean, you definitely hear, you know, five or six different distinct instruments and sounds going at once. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's I like it's using sampled percussion, which is good. Um, the bass is really nice and strong. There's a lot of plinky voices going on up top. It's not just. See, the thing about the TurboGrafx sound hardware is it's capable of a lot more than people give it credit for. But the way it's used. Uh, typically doesn't take advantage of it properly. You know, because unlike with the Super Nintendo or the Sega Genesis that have distinct sound chips, 
the sound is handled by the CPU. So like the NES or the N64. So it actually puts a huge, the audio puts a big load on the CPU. And so a lot of times you find yourself in a situation where you can really push the audio if you've got a really basic game or you can have a more advanced game and then you really have to kind of pull back the audio a little bit. So, um, yeah, if, if I had to guess, so like, uh, Nozomu Takahashi, his credits are only on like two games and they're both like sound effect credits. So I'm guessing that, um, uh, Hiroto Saito actually com composed this because he has a lot of other composition credits. Um, and Hiroto some Saito. Some fairly recent stuff too, yeah. Well, and Hiroto Saito is all over the place on the PC Engine. Yeah, yeah, he's and, he did a lot of PC Engine games. Right? Yeah, yeah. Looking at his biography here. Yeah, and so you run into him all the time on the PC Engine. I, 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 I don't know for sure, but my strong guess is this is Saito as well. Um, but I think a lot of people kind of hear Turbo Graphics music and think, um, and this is technically very imprecise. I, I actually kind of. I don't like this term, but um, they kind of call it "quote unquote" 12-bit in terms of like it's halfway in between 8-bit and 16-bit in terms of sound, and and I while I dispute that as the maximum capability of the sound chip, I actually agree with that in terms of how it's typically used. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like a nominal use of the system kind of paints that picture, and that's a big reason why I really like the soundtrack is it really doesn't. I mean. I hate using I hate using the term 12-bit or whatever because, for being really technical, this is five-bit wavetable. <laughs> but yeah. um, but um, I don't know to use that imprecise thing. I would call this probably 14-bit. I mean, this sounds a lot more like a 16-bit system to me than an 8-bit system. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that I want people to hear more of these kind of sounds coming out of the system to kind of change their perspective on what this thing really can do. Um, as far as the music itself goes, I think I think we're coming up on we're coming up on I think what is your favorite part of the piece, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there's this kind of um, I, I, I'm not real good with terms here, but there's just kind of a lot going on at, at once in this part. It's plinky and it's ascendant, and I think yeah. this part here now is my favorite part. This part here really gives me a strong that uh, this the sawtooth melody it might not be a sawtooth, but the melody here. Um, very much gives me an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer vibe. <laughs> it's that, almost definitely like a MIDI sawtooth. That's what it sounds like. Well, there's a lot of stuff that I think is saw, and then it's actually like this complex pulse wave that looks like yeah. a bunch of squares in a stack. Um, so who knows? But I get very Keith Emerson vibes from that part of the piece. You know, um, I almost kind of, and I don't know what the theme on this level is but i almost kind of get a little bit of geiger's alien also in in terms of the aesthetic you know the uh, alien movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, i was, I, was um, not, I i had nothing to dispute there <laughs> <laughs> okay all right <laughs> okay um well so i think that's probably all we need to say about this one though um i think our next one's going to take us in a pretty different direction I decided to pick a uh, track from Live Alive. So this I have played. There's a fan translation of it, but this never got a U.S. release. There have been some rumors that maybe it'll get a U.S. release someday, but um, seems kind of far-fetched. And this is a track called Knock You Down. Uh, who's the composer on this? What well, is Yoko Shiyamura. 
Okay, awesome. All right. Which should be obvious when you hear the song. <laughs> sure, sure. Yes. All right, let's check it out. Yeah, so again, this is Knock You Down from Live Alive by Yoko Shimura. Um, sounds like an unused track from Street Fighter 2, really. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, like, I could actually see, uh, let's say, Ken's level in the background. You know, the boats yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so now this game is actually an RPG, and it's... I, I would describe it as a little bit like Octopath Traveler, um, in that it's multiple independent stories that then kind of merge together so you have like I, I can't remember off the top of my head like let's say six different characters and you toggle between their stories you can kind of do them in any order you feel like and once you play through their story you know you go on to whatever character you want to do next and then once you've done the six main stories it all kind of combines into one common story never got a US release again I, I don't think it's real likely it ever will but you've played the fan trans. Yeah, yeah I played the fan translation. Um, which is pretty good. I, I mean, overall, I enjoyed the game. This is probably the more, most difficult stage in the game because the, the wrestling minigame is really kind of... I don't know, I feel like it's mostly luck. <laughs> okay. I, 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 um, I haven't played this game, but I did watch um, a snippet of gameplay that occurs here. And it's so weird. It's like a wrestling contest... And you've got the some of the tropes of a typical RPG game with the huge detailed enemy sprite and the mm -hmm. tiny kind of cutesy player sprite, um, and you you have to navigate a menu. But the characters move around the screen, 
you know and that yeah. was so weird to me right so um i have heard great things about it. i i was first exposed to this game through i think legacy music well through legacy music hour like yeah. i think most people were um and yeah it's got a lot of great music and i hear it's a good story so if there ever if it ever makes it stateside maybe i will give it a try so um the track is very fun yeah, yeah. very fun um typical it's a mix of hard rock and guitars and brass you know which i think makes it fit very well in street fighter um Yeah, it's a good time. Do you have anything else you want to say about it? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I again, I think the most obvious comparison is Street Fighter. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of other good tracks in the game, but I just um, felt like this one... I don't know. This is just one I wanted to play. Okay. No no particular reason. Some of the, There are some good remix albums uh, for this game, too. Or some, like, Square Enix has done a series of, like, remix albums over the years, and they feature quite a few songs from this game. So okay. the soundtrack is... For being... Probably an obscure game by Square standards. Um, they've really, you know, given a lot of love to the soundtrack. I I imagine a live or a, a quote unquote real instrument rendition of this track would be a really good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of these days we'll have to do an episode on remixes and stuff like OC remix or whatever. Yeah, we've we've talked about that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay. So. For the next track, I'll introduce. Okay. <laughs> that one kind of fell flat on its face. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I've uh, been confused. I've still been confused by that. You know, I think we talked about it. Uh, I'll introduce. It's like the music for the introduction sequence of the game. Yeah. So, um, but there's something very important we forgot to do, and then we forgot to do it again, and then we forgot to do it again, yeah. and I just remembered. So, uh, we're probably. A quarter of the a good quarter, third of the way through the show now, and I think we should do the top of the show business. What have you been doing since the last episode? Uh, what was the last episode again? Uh, it was summer jams. Summer jams. So um, let's see. It was way too hot out here. Probably uh -huh. your way too. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't do a lot of outdoor stuff. Um, did have a kid move to college. So that's been most of my uh, late summer life. Was uh, getting prepped for that. Getting prepped for, for, for that. Yeah, you know, because you, yeah, kids, uh, they, turns out they, like, you got to bring a bunch of stuff, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and you don't necessarily want them taking all the stuff from your house. So you got to go buy stuff and then bring it up there and then realize you forgot some, like, really important things and then go back. It's, yeah. It's... And she's going to school a few hours away, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, not too far. Uh, close enough that we can visit, but far enough where, you know, commuting is definitely not an option. Okay. Okay. So that's fun. It's not financially fun, but it's been it's been exciting. Well, and I imagine all the mixed feelings of an emptier nest that come with that. Um, no, that part's pretty good actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a little tough at first, but now I'm like, hey, you know what? It's kind of nice. Well, you know, uh, the way the way uh, my wife Jody puts it to the kids is, we want as your parents. We want you to live happy, fulfilled lives and move out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, what about gaming-wise? What have you been doing with yourself? Gaming-wise? Oh, boy, that's, that's hard. What have I been playing? 
See, I've got to go back a couple months, so now it's, it's hard to remember. I was trying to go back and play some of the, um, the Grand Theft Auto games that I missed. So I was trying to play Grand Theft Auto 3, which I somehow skipped back in the day. And I got, I'm probably like 80% through the game, and then there's just a lot of late missions that are just cheap and horrible. And I, I gave up. Okay. And then I started playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and I've been kind of off and on of that. Uh, that game is really, really huge. And I mean, like, the map is really huge. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the missions are like, drive this dude all the way to the other side of the map, and now drive all the way back. You know, like... It's just like it's like being an Uber driver, um, <laughs> except possibly even more boring. So okay, like I understand why people think it's a great game because there there are a lot of great qualities it has, but yeah, it's just it's it's um, the same things I got frustrated with in Grand Theft Auto Five really, where it's almost too large. Okay, you know, like imagine Breath of the Wild, but you don't have fast travel. Mm -hmm. Like. Mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild would be a pretty annoying game if you could not fast travel. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. I didn't realize there was no fast travel in GTA. There is not... So, GTA V kind of has it, because um, you have, like, three different characters, and you can switch between the characters, and, okay. and they're usually in different parts of the map. Um, San Andreas does not have fast travel. Or it gets unlocked very late in the game if it does. And it is... It is bad. Like, that okay. part is bad. Um, okay. I'm sure if I had played it in 2005, I would contend it was the greatest game ever made. <laughs> but, you know, after having, you know, 10 years or so of games with fast travel, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're getting to go back. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Have you been playing anything good? Well, so, um, yes. Uh, well, first of all, some updates since the last time. Um, the, the, unfortunately, you know, we found out what happened with the Switch Pro. It turned out to be vaporware. It wasn't mm -hmm. happening. Um... And I was really disappointed by that. I was really... The Switch OLED is fine, but compared to what we were all built up to hope for, it was a real letdown. Um, I did pre-order the OLED, and it's not because I'm super excited about it. It's because I didn't want to uh, go through months and months and months of trying to score one and, and not be able to, especially for a system that I find so unexciting. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I did pre-order it. I did pre-order Metroid Dread. Uh, I am. Ex I actually am excited about that one. Um, although hot take, the EMMI or ME just seems like SAX 2.0 to me, like a super mm -hmm. duper SAX. Okay. Um, I did finally manage to secure a PS5, so I have both systems now. And the pain and frustration and struggle in trying to get the PS5 is ultimately what motivated me to get to pre-order the OLED because I didn't want to have to go through that again. Um. I've been playing Miles Morales. I've been playing Ratchet and Clank. I've been playing Returnal. Um, but, and I love them. I love them all. But I still have been spending more time with the Series X. You know, because of Game Pass, mm -hmm. right? You just, you have free access to like 300 games. Um, I played all the way through Doom Eternal on Series X, and that's fantastic. And I have rediscovered Rocket League. So I've been just spending in obscene amounts of time playing nothing but Rocket League. Um, it's really great at 120 frames per second on the Series X, though. That really is... It's very hard... When you've spent uh, hours playing on Series X and then you go somewhere and you pick the game up on the Switch and it's 30 frames a second, that takes three or four matches before it stops looking very wrong. Yeah, I imagine. You, know, you eventually readjust and then it feels okay, but when you first fire it back up, it does not feel okay. 
Um, uh, and let's see, I, I did pre-order the Steam Deck. Did you or reserve the Steam Deck? Did you do that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's probably the next system I'll get. I I don't know about the Switch or LED yet. Um, PS Five is just nothing I really want yet. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of Steam games that I uh, never, you know, they're in my backlog that I haven't played. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm very excited about it for a whole host of reasons, and I'll try to be brief. But um, the the big one is what it could do for gaming on Linux, you know, because it's running Arc Linux. It's um, using Proton to play all the games. And uh, so if that if there's a mainstream entrance for Linux gaming, all of a sudden that could really propel that, that whole world along. And that's something I'm very excited about. Um, because the final, I think, I think final big announcement I have uh, in terms of what I've been doing since last time is my game, I brought my gaming PC downstairs and I had a Linux install on it, but the, like, the final frontier for me that I had never done is try to set up gaming on Linux. And now I've got it done. I um, I played Doom Eternal on, on Linux. And I just e even being able to say that sentence is incredible to me, you know? Um, I still gotta work on like making, trying to get set up with Vulkan because it doesn't perform as well. And I presume that was Proton, but no, apparently it's, uh, Vulkan is supposed to run better than OpenGL. Uh, but I've never had that's not been my experience so I got to figure out what I have to configure to make that work right mm -hmm. so but the point is I can play PC games on Linux now and that just feels so cool to me yeah I um, I, I don't like dealing with all the tinkering and whatnot so I uh, I heard about the uh, Steam board or whatever it's called um, I'm like yeah that sounds like the right solution for me something where I don't have to do any setup mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I like things with no setup yeah well, Switch, Switch. Uh, the reason Switch was so big for me is it let me play big screen and small, right? It it totally changed the way I could play console games, right? And I love PC games, but with my PC game in my gaming PC in one room of the house and not getting to touch it very often, I'm not really going anywhere with PC gaming right now. But the Steam Deck could possibly be the switch of PC gaming for me. It could be the thing that kind of pushes me really into PC gaming, and it also has a full fat uh, arc. Linux using KDE uh, desktop environment, so I could put it in a dock, and now I have a second computer in a different room. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It, and it's a different Linux distro, because that's another thing I want to do, is just like buy a crazy cheap computers and just put a different Linux distro on it and just have them around the house. You know? I love using Ubuntu Studio, but I feel like I'm not really experiencing the world very much. I feel it, it's kind of the equivalent of not leaving your house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I kind of want to see what's out there. So, um, yeah, super excited about the super excited about the Steam Deck. Um, I think that's all I've been doing for gaming. I think the only other th announcement I'd want to make in the top of the show business is this episode's going to come out on September twenty third, Thursday, but it's being recorded on Saturday, September eleventh. So this is the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven, um, and I would just want to say that our, our thoughts are with the people who were impacted by 9-11. And in some degree, we were to some at least small degree, we were all impacted by 9-11. It changed our world. Um, I spent this morning watching uh, memorial commemorations and stuff. And so it's really on my mind right now. Um, 
do you have any cool 9-11 stories? I mean, is there anything special you were doing on that day? I mean, everyone remembers cool. where they were on 9-11. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I want to get into it, actually. Okay. Okay. You right. know, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I can avoid anything that could generate even a slight amount of drama. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Well, our thoughts and our thoughts and well wishes to uh, to everyone that was impacted by that m- momentous earth changing day. Uh, okay. Well, so I think I think uh, I think we can move on to our next track. So let me try that joke again. I'll introduce. I'll introduce. Uh, oh, I get it. <laughs> yes, by uh, from the game Yu Yu Hakusho, Matko Makio Toitsusen, composed by Satoshi Murakawa. Katsuhiko Suzuki, Akihata, and or Noria Hanzawa. So let's go ahead and check that out. So that was I'll Introduce from Yu Yu Hakusho Makyo Toitsusen on the Mega Drive. And uh, I guess I'll Introduce is the kind of the intro sequence music, hence the name. Because I, kn- I know you were saying that name seemed kind of a weird thing, but I guess that's where it, that makes sense of it. That's where it is in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think of this track? 
Um, it's I, I definitely like it. Um, you know, I wasn't no, I'm not real familiar with the series. You know, it's not something I'd heard before. Um, just because I, I don't think the cartoon series was popular in the U.S. or maybe it is now, but it wasn't popular during the Mega Drive era for sure. And it really sounds like a Mega Drive song. I mean, that was my first impression was this is definitely a Genesis song. I didn't have to look at the title. It just sounds like something through the the Sega sound chip. Yes, is um, I think it's a, I think it's a good use of the sound chip, but it's very very hallmark use. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's really no doubt on this one. Um, so not having played the game, but having looked at still images and stuff, I get the impression that it's. Um, kind of a low-grade 101 fighter. So if you're familiar with uh, Doomsday Warriors on the Super NES, kind of imagine that kind, yeah. of, that kind of thing. But with these anime characters. And uh, and I've never seen the show. I presume, I presume Yu Yu Hakusho is an anime, but I've never, I've never watched it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty confident it, it was. Um, but, you know, like a lot of things, um, you know, Japanese animation was not really popular in America in the 90s. I mean, you had like Akira um, was, I think that it wasn't even mainstream, but that was probably the most popular one. So, and you didn't have venues, so you didn't have um, Crunchyroll or, you know, you didn't have a lot of import shops. You just didn't have ways to consume the media in in America if you were into it. Right. So a lot of these games that were based on on, um, anime series either just didn't get ported or you know, got modified a bit, so you know, so they seemed less anime when they came over. Put a different skin on the character, yeah. like black, like uh, Fist of the North Star and Black Belt, right? Yeah, yeah, stuff like, like that. Yeah, we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right about that. Um, I love this track. I love this track. I love the entire sound font of it. I love the direction it goes. Um, it has, you know, there's a certain game that it reminds me of. It reminds me very much of the Genesis version of TMNT Tournament Fighters. Okay. Yeah. Which I think was composed by Miki Higashino, or uh, Miki Higashino, but uh, so it's not the same composer, but it very much has that feel to me. Similar sound font and everything. Yeah, I yeah, know, I agree. I agree yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, so our, our next track, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so this one, um, you gotta include a Yuzo Koshiro track if you're gonna talk about. Um, Japanese game composers or, or soundtracks that are only available in Japan. Um, a lot of his work did not make it over to the U.S. So this is from a game called Misty Blue, which is a uh, like an interactive fiction game. You know, these things were almost none of these were translated. And uh, the title here is not a typo. The title is called "I Wanna Close to You." I <laughs> realize it's missing a a, a verb or um, is verb the right term there? I think it, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because bees, yeah, okay. So it's missing a, it's definitely missing a word, regardless of what type of word it is. Whatever, <laughs> uh, it's still a really good track. So let's uh, let's fire it up right now.
so that is uh, Misty Blue by Yuzo Koshiro. It's from Misty Blue. It's called I Want to Close to You. So Misty <laughs> Blue is kind of a weird, um, you know, weird interactive fiction game. I wouldn't say weird. I mean, it's a pretty standard interactive fiction game, but so few of those got localized. Um, and I guess for good reason, right? Kind of high effort, a lot of text, and it's not a genre that maybe Americans were buying. Well, I know a lot of those games on the um, the PC-88 and PC-98 were uh, pornographic. Um, yeah. Is this one of those? No. No. This is not. Okay. No, I mean, there is a romance storyline, but, you know, it's, it's not anything like that. Okay. Because, you know, the impression I've always had is um, PC-88, PC-98 is kind of the Pornhub of video games. Yeah, well, not maybe not as much as the... Um, what was the follow-up to the PC Engine? The uh, MS... Um, oh, PCFX? PCFX, yeah. yeah. Which we I, that, may... That's the or, worst. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which far. we may or may not hear from later in this episode. Yeah. Um, this is a fun track. It's... Um, you can hear you can hear Yuzo... You can, like, I can easily believe this is a Yuzo track. Um, it's clearly using... The more advanced of the two sound chips on those computers. It's the PC. It's the OPN A uh, YM twenty six oh eight because it has sampled instruments. Um, the the FM part, the FM part of this chip, is the nearest of kin to the FM in the Sega Genesis. There is no chip in the world besides the Genesis that's more close to the Genesis than the FM part of this chip. But then it has this whole big. Um, sample system like you know it has an f- open sampler channel for any kind of sample you want and then it has like this seven channel sample source with canned drum samples and stuff so yeah. um, it sounds very Genesis but if you know what you're listening for you can you can tell it's not yeah well it sounds like a Yuzo Kuchiro song and of well, course you did a lot of Genesis games so yes, like you, you could hear this song in Streets of Rage 2 for example it seems, I don't know, it seems a little fun. A little, I mean, well, little, fun is yeah, the wrong too, word. Yeah. Bouncy. A little too yeah. uh, easygoing. Yeah. But you could, I, yeah, yeah I, I get that. Yeah. I actually, uh, on Channel 1, I actually featured a track from Misty Blue, but it was the title track. It was uh, Misty Blue. Yeah, yeah, which is also very good. This is this is, this is all around a great soundtrack. It, it was really hard to pick, like, one song from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling it may reappear in a, a future episode. Well, I guess I will say, um, I will say that um, there's a number of games where I've featured music from the game, and uh, and there's a number of games where I did not choose my favorite track from the game for this episode because I already used it on channel one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two tracks that we'll hear today that I am reusing, but if I had let myself go, there would have been four or five tracks that I'd be reusing. You know what I mean? So, because I featured Yu Yu Hakusho also, but a different track. Um, let's see. Our next one is from a game that I have never featured on the show before. Uh, I didn't even know its existence until I was doing the research for this episode. I guess it's a rhythm game, okay. uh, and I think it's actually by the guy who does Parappa the Rapper, is my understanding. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of that kind of idea. But... Uh, I don't think the art style is anything like Parappa the Rapper, but the mecha- the mechanics of it, I think it's kind of the same idea. So it's called Mojib Ribbon. It's on the PS2. It's designed by um, Mojibri Unkurashu. There is no 
composer credited, but the strong implication that I was given was that he did. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Messiah Matsura is the designer, uh, but I really have a strong reason to believe he's also the composer. Okay. So the name of the track is Futen slash Mojibri Nkurashu. So let's go ahead and give that a listen. Yeah, so that is Futen slash Mojibiri Unkarashu from Mojib Ribbon on the PS2. And during the break, we were looking at pictures of this game. <laughs> yeah. What was your t- what was your take on this? I, my, my take was that it looked like it was drawn by a child, which maybe is what they were going for. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm a horrible artist myself, so I, I'm not criticizing anyone's artwork. I'm just saying it looks like a child painted this game, um, which I, maybe is what they're going for. It, it has to be what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it myself. I love the design. It's it's so quirky. It's so wacky. I would love to... Um, do you know... I don't know the answer to this. Do you know if PS2 is region locked? It is. Mm. Because I have, sitting next to me right here, a copy of um, the East 1 and 2 remake for PlayStation 2. And they, okay. that requires a Japanese PlayStation 2 to play. 
Damn. Okay. All right. Or, um, or you, I'm sure you can, you know, get a soldering iron in this mod chip and take your system apart and make sure you don't snap this cable and blah blah blah. Like, I'm sure there's some there's a bunch of stuff you can do um, to unregion lock it. Uh, but it's like DVD, you know, because it's, ultimately it's a DVD player in the PlayStation Two, so I think it's using the same kind of region lock. I would assume someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would just assume they're using the same region locking mechanism that you would for DVDs. Okay. Yeah. Well, and my PS Two is the one I got on my 21st birthday. And so I don't want to touch that. I mean, I don't want to try messing with that one at all. Yeah. If I find one in like for 10 bucks at a thrift store, maybe, but not, not the one I have. I'm not gonna, okay. I'm not gonna do anything to that. But it looks like such a, it looks like such a cool game. I, um, I really would love to get a chance to play it. I just, it's so wacky. Um, this yeah. piece though, this piece is really fun. Yeah, this piece, it um, sounds like a track from Persona 5 to me. So there's a okay. lot of music where you're like just sort of like doing an errand or a chore or some kind of thing in the game, like some sort of side quest. Not side quest, but like like are you have you played Persona 5? I have no, but I've heard a fair bit of the Persona 4 and 5 soundtracks. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of like you have to do an errand, you have to mop the floor or something, right? Like this this sounds a lot like some of the errand or like bonding event music. Okay. It, it would fit in in Persona 5 just fine. Sure. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going shopping with one of my friends, and this is the music playing in the background. Like, I've heard enough of the music that I can I can totally see that being the case, especially that organ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the big that's the big one. Um, it's a simple track. It's short. It's repetitive. Um, you know, the first time I heard it, this part of the music that's playing right now didn't really do much for me it, it took the the like the fuller chords to sell me on it but now that i've heard the thing 10 times 12 times i like the whole thing yeah. you know it's just it's just so fun um now our next track is really important for this episode but if you want do you would you rather tell that story on the flip um, side yeah yeah i mean I'll, i can i can explain so when um what, what happened is this is a track i wanted to feature and i said hey whatever episode we're doing next i don't know what the theme is but i want to use this song and then mm -hmm. we talked about themes that could be used based on the song, right? So, like, what are some episode themes that this song would fit into? And uh, I think we came up with three. I'll tell you what the other themes are after we listen to it. And uh, decided that uh, Japan exclusives was the best one to go with, which yeah. I agree with now that, we've, you know, now that we've gone through the whole episode. Yeah, you, you, so this was, we've in the past we've taken turns picking subjects, and this one was a collaborative thought. Yeah. yeah. He said, whatever we do, I want to use this track. Here are yeah. possible possible themes. I think I threw in an extra one or two. I think we end up with like five possible ones. Yeah. And then, if I'm not mistaken, I think I went ahead and said, well, I'm going to go ahead and choose Made in Japan. And, yeah. and then, yeah. So, yeah. So, this track that comes up next is the one that the entire episode is based around. Yeah. So, what is that track, you? This track is uh, from Nakayama Miho no Tokameki High School, which is a... Uh, idol dating sim where you're a high school student trying to date a uh, a j-pop idol of some sort this was a very early square game and it is possibly the first soundtrack by nobuo matsu or one of the very earliest tracks by nobuo matsu and this is the uh the title track
Yeah, yeah. So this is, again, a, a very early Square game. Uh, interactive, I don't know if it's interactive fiction or dating sim. Um, but yeah, Nobomatsu, it's all uncredited, so it's just sort of suspected to be Nobomatsu because he was the only composer working for Square when this game was developed. Um, but yeah, the idea is you are, um, there's, a, there's an actual real um, teen pop idol, right, who is in the, the game title. That is um, Nakayama Miho is the, the idol. She's, well, God, by 50 right now, right? I'm going to look her up. Yeah. Um, and the game is centered around her and uh, I, your attempt to try and date her. Um, I've heard some people compare it to Leisure Suit Larry. It doesn't seem to be quite that that dirty, though. Um, well, if, if it's for kids... Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I don't think it's a particularly... I don't think it's a um, obscene game. I'll say that. And uh, the real uh, idol this is based on is 51, born 1970. Wow. And um, according to Wikipedia, had a pretty long career. I wonder. I wonder if I've ever heard anything by her because I've I've spent a lot of time listening to J-pop, 80s J-pop on Spotify. I wonder if I've run across her before and just not realized it. Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. Uh, made her. Debut in 1985 with a song okay. just called C, as in the letter C. <laughs> okay. It's the kind of thing like I like the equivalent would be if there was like a game in America where you're trying to date Debbie Gibson, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which would never get made in America. Like today, that kind of game could get made, I guess. Um, there probably is a game where you're trying to date Kim Kardashian. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> if there if there isn't, I'm shocked it doesn't exist. Um, but in the 80s, that that really wouldn't have sold in the U.S. Right. Right. I think as I think as a country as a whole, we've come a long way in terms of multiculturalism. Go out and find the culture in the world rather than have them bring a modified version of it to suit our tastes to yeah. us. Yeah. So I think we've improved a lot. <clears throat> this is a fun little track. Um, huh? It's a Famicom Disk System game, so it's the typical NES 2AO3 plus an extra wave table channel. If, if you... To be overly simplistic and overly reductionist, it would be like taking the NES and then adding one TurboGrafx-16 sound channel to it. Yeah. yeah. Or it'd be like taking, so like the Game Boy, it's like three of the four NES channels plus a TurboGrafx channel, right? So um, it'd be like that, but giving you the, the, the Triangle Wave channel back. So, um, fun little track, cute melody. I don't know if there's like I could, there's a lot I could say about the yeah. composition itself, but it is um, it is definitely kind of a heart warmer. I see. I definitely see why you wanted to to include this one. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a f really fun track. The rest of the soundtrack is kind of eh, kind of middle of the road. Um, there's one song that kind of sounds like it belongs in Metroid. Um, outside of that, I I wasn't really super impressed with the album. But again, it's an early you know early attempt. So the, we were talking about like what themes you could build an episode around. I suggested like early songs by composers or school games like back to school theme stuff mm -hmm. um but no this made the most sense was uh japan exclusives i was tempted to do go with early tracks by composers because then i could have used like the chronos theme uh <laughs> from the zx spectrum by tim fallen yeah that would have been a lot of fun um maybe we'll have to do that someday so um 
Do you have anything else you want to say about this before uh, we move on? No, no. I mean, this is a zero percent chance this gets an official localization. <laughs> I'll, I'll make that bold prediction. Unless Nakayama Miko actually uh, pushes for it. Yeah. <laughs> she probably has either forgotten it ever happened or is trying to forget it ever happened. Um, so our next track, we were talking, um, speaking of Turbo Graphics and Close Cousins, we're going to hear a track from the MSX SCC sound system. And we're going to be hearing Level 1 Warning from Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake. And the list of composers is just ginormous, so I'll, I'll list them at the end. Let's go ahead and check it out. Okay, so this is level one warning from Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake on the MSX using the Konami SCC sound chip. And the list of composers is very long. I'm going to give it my best shot. We have Masahiro Ikariko, uh, Mutsuhiko Ismi, Yuko Kurahashi, Tomoyo Tomita, Kazuhiko Urahara, Yuji Takanouchi, and or Tsuyoshi Sekito. I probably could have just said the Konami Kukeha Club and gotten away with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, what do you think of this track? Yeah, you know, so this is the one that I put a little asterisk next to because I got confused because there's two different Metal Gear 2s. There's mm-hmm. U.S. Metal Gear 2 and Japan Metal Gear 2, and they are uh, different games. So this Well, is are you... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, right. In the U.S., we had something called Snake's Revenge, right? Yes. And it's not the same thing as Metal Gear 2. No. 
Yeah. Then again, the American Metal Gear 1 is different than the MSX Metal Gear 1. Yes, it's a, it's a huge mess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good track. I like it, yeah. I like um, it. I love... But, I love those soaring voices right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the drive of it. It's a fun track. I, and then when we come in a little bit later where it's more driving, you got the big hits, you know, in the bass and stuff. I really like that too, right before it loops around. Um, the fun thing for me about this is the sound hardware. This, what we're hearing here, is the closest of kin, technology-wise, to the TurboGrafx-16. It's um, it's a different chip. It has its own advantages and disadvantages. It's, in some ways, it's better than the HEC-6280. In other ways, it's worse. Um, but it's the the neck nearest of kin. These are the as close as you get. Those two chips. Um, it has higher bitrate wavetable. I had always thought it was 8-bit, but I was doing some reading recently, and they say it's 12-bit, which means you can have smoother gradations. You know, mm-hmm. you can have more nuanced voices. Uh, but it's only got five channels instead of six, and on the it, except for on way later revisions, two of those channels, they could use different notes, but they had to use the same waveform. So you could only have four waveforms at a time. And then no sampling capabilities. You had to uh, rely on the the uh, MSX's built-in AY chip for the percussion. This is why the percussion sounds NES-like. Um, I think if it were a situation where I could either have the MSX SEC by itself or the HUC by itself, I think I'd prefer the HUC. But if we were doing an ensemble situation where you were combining sound chips, I think the SCC would be by far the better chip to include in a lineup. Um, so... I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll try my hand at like a super chip party thing and just make a track that uses like f- like six different chips mm-hmm. and include the SCC in that. Um, but it's a fun track, and the whole soundtrack is great. Have you ever listened to the soundtrack in total? No, no, I've not. It is um, it is fantastic. You know, it's probably peak MSX. I think this is probably the best MSX soundtrack I've ever heard. Um, really great stuff. It's totally worth it. Uh, way back, way, way, way back in March of 2017, when Channel 1 was brand new and my intros and outros were still pure garbage, I did an episode that was focused on this soundtrack. So that's worth going back to listen to, even though the intros and outros sound so terrible. Um, so anyone listening who's curious about the soundtrack, do go check that episode out. I think that's all i got to say about this one, though. I think, yeah. um, I think our next track takes us in a very different direction. Yeah, so um, I'm going to pick a track from Yokai Watch 4. This is uh, Springdale 2040 Night, and the composer is uh, Kenshiro Saigo. Thank you. 
right, so yeah, Yokai Watch 4. I picked this one mostly because um, the game my youngest kid really wishes was localized. Um, she she is really into the series, but yeah, this fourth game um, probably not ever coming out in America. Really disappointing. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that this one uh, until I mean until we did this. I didn't know that this installment was existed. Um, I've had brief brushes brushes uh, with other games in the franchise, but like I think I have the 3DS game. I think I've played it once, thought it was cool, and then never played it again. Mm -hmm. um, what a beautiful track! I I think this is the the prettiest piece of music in our entire episode today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get on board with that. Yeah, definitely the most mellow piece. Yeah, it's putting me to sleep a little bit. That's the, the big problem with it. <laughs> That's why I typically listen to even even beautiful music like this. I usually still listen to it loud. Because um, when it's quiet, I can hear it, <clears throat> but I can't feel it. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between hearing a wind out your window and being carried along on that wind. Um, <clears throat> it also makes it harder to fall asleep to. Um, you know, I was going to point out my favorite part of this track, but we, we just passed it. <laughs> oh no. And so I don't think we'll stick around for the, the rejoinder yeah. for it, but it's, it's so, um, you know, it's called Springdale 2040 night. I don't know anything about Springdale 2040. Must but be a location. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or a location at a certain year. I don't know, but it definitely, I definitely connect with the night theme. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like you're in a town at night. Is yes, what's going on here. Yes, I feel the same way. Starry night. Um, those little yellowish white street lamps, just gently aglow. Ah, it's beautiful. I could spend a lot of time here. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have. Well, you know, actually, we are close enough now to the rejoinder because it's just a just the next, the next big change after this. I get kind of Tomita vibes from this too. I see a Tomita. Yeah. Okay, here it is. This is my favorite part. Beautiful. Yeah. It's very Beautiful. good. Yes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I really like this pick of yours. Um. Maybe we'll hear it again. Um, my next track, I had talked earlier about trying to avoid reusing tracks that I featured on Channel One. This is a track that has been featured on Channel One. Um, this is Stage Four from Chip Chan Kick on the PCFX. See, I told you we'd be hearing mm -hmm. from it. And the composers are Hitoshi Sakamoto and or Masaharu Iwata, both very familiar names. So let's go ahead and, and give it a listen.
Okay, and that's stage four from Chip Chan Kick on the PCFX. Hugh, what do you think of this? Uh, it kind of sounds like a, a salsa dance song. Is this a really? It's not a dance game, is it? No, it it looks like a it looks like a, a bubble bobble kind of game. Although, okay. yeah, that's so, then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're playing, when you're playing, it looks like bubble bobble, and you've got the cute chibi version of the characters, and then there's mm -hmm. cutscenes in the middle that are on the brink of being pornographic. So okay. we were talking about that with PCFX, you know, being a yeah. kind of I, a raunchy system. I, yes, I'm, I'm always nervous to Google anything PCFX related. <laughs> um. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand the, I understand the concern. Um, I, I've only seen a, f a few pictures of this game. I've never watched long plays or anything like that, partly for that same reason. But... I will tell you that I absolutely adore this track. Um, the uh, you've got the bit. Of, it's funny you mentioned salsa because to me I get way more of gamelan, you okay. know, like an Indo in, in Indonesian kind of uh, the band, the uh, instrument ensemble. That's what I'm looking for. I Indonesian ensemble with all the bell instruments and stuff. Um, but then you have the the very synthy kind of rubber bandy bass, and then my favorite moment in the track is this one where you've got the choir or the voice is singing uh with everything else so good so good i i featured this track it was the second to opening track in episode four of channel one it was the our very first two for tuesday um the other track from chip chan kick uh stage one that i featured was excellent as well but i i think this one edges it out for me uh in 2020 when i did my backwards episode backtracks i included this track in it and it is Putting this track backwards changes it so much. It's you can tell. I mean, you know that you're not having a fast one played on you. you, you if you hear the forward and backwards back to back, you could tell it is the the actual piece. But it just changes so much. It's just such a radical transformation. And I I actually like the backwards version probably 99% as well as I like the forward version. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's great in both directions. Um, so. Anyone who has not listened to Backtracks who thinks the idea of a backwards episode is interesting rather than annoying, go check it out and see if you can pick this track out of the lineup without being told uh, what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could say more, but I won't. Let's, let's hear your next one. Yeah. Uh, did you, where did I leave off? Here? Oh, Psychic Detective Series Three. So this is on a bunch of systems. Um, all the CD systems it's on, it has the same soundtrack. There's also an FM Towns version that is um, has like chip versions, but I'm picking the CD version, so this is the one you would hear on like Mega Drive or, or PC Engine CD. Uh, the composer is uh, Yasuhito Saito, and this track is called Remain.
All right, so uh, that was uh, Psychic Detective, song called Remain. Uh, very, we're, we're just talking about how very much like a Christmas song this sounds. And I completely agree. And, and for those of you who are, are really interested in the topic we had a few minutes ago, it appears that if, if you want to enjoy the music of uh, Miho Nakayama, which you, you of course you can, uh, all her stuff is on Spotify, including a Christmas album from 1989, which I am right now adding to my Christmas playlist. I am not joking. Um, uh, I, 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 I always need new Christmas music. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy that can listen to Christmas music um, all year round also. Yes. No, I only listen during a designated time period, but I don't like um, most... like. But wait, I like sort of oddball Christmas songs. I don't like the stuff you, you, the same like 10 songs you hear on the radio all the time. And I'm wondering if I can get away with putting this song here from Psychic Detective in a Christmas playlist. <laughs> um, so we're down to our final two tracks. So, yes, yeah. we are. We are. Um, so our next one, I got to pull up my notes here. I... Real quick, I'll tell the, I'll tell the, I'll tell on myself and tell the listeners what happened. I um, <clears throat> was re recording this my my side of the audio on this on the the main, the boot drive for my gaming PC, and it was a really small partition, and I was like, I had like less than 200 megabytes of storage left, so I moved like 24 gigs of files from from to use Windows terminology C drive to D drive, but I was trying to make that transfer happen at the same time that this file that I'm recording is getting bigger and bigger. And so it was like, it was this intensely stressful race against the clock, uh, situation. And so I was very grateful that you took the helm there while yes. I got that. But I, I think I, I think I succeeded. I think I, I think now I have 24 gigabytes to go before I have to worry about that again. Um, okay. So I've got my notes back up our next track. And this is my f personal final track of the day is a refined enchanted cave from chaos seed on uh, Sega Saturn. I think the full name of the game is Chaos Seed Fusui Kairoki. Okay. Uh, I think is the full name of the game. So anyway, uh, Refined Enchanted Cave. Um, we'll talk about the composers on the flip side. Let's go ahead and check it out.
Okay, and that's A Refined Enchanted Cave from Chaos Seed. Fusui, Fujui, Fusui, Kairoki. I think it's Fusui, Kairoki. Uh, on the Sega Saturn. The composers, I was not able to find list of composers for the Saturn version, only for the Super NES version. But my understanding is that they're the same people. So the composers that I have are Yasunori Shiono, Katsuhiro Hayashi, and or Yukio Nakajima. And if anyone knows different and, and knows that this is different this time, just let us know. But um, what do you think of this track? Um, you know, it's it sounds like a bunch of different songs kind of woven together, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, that yes, was my it first impression, that it, it's really like two or three different songs kind of tied up. There's, there's yeah. a lot of changes, a lot of different kind of dissonant things going on. It does change moods so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, we just had one of those changes just a few seconds yeah. ago. Yeah, just right. Yeah. Like, there was literally just one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now and now we got a different one. one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this part's right. like no. a completely different song now. Right. No, I agree with you on that. Um, but, well, my favorite part's coming up. Uh, my favorite part is this. Which is like a third song, yeah. That sounds like an 80s Chick Corea song to me. I mean, you know, that's just <laughs> yeah. like, like not the not the harsh, austere, overwhelming jazz fusion of the 70s, but the kind of more accessible jazz fusion of the 80s. Um, yeah, no, I yeah, definitely, I love it, I love it. Um, I either could talk about all the little nuances in this track or I could stop talking right now and I think I'm going to do the former. Um, But we do have, before we go on to your final track, we have uh, some end of show business. And I think the first thing we should do is we should talk about what our plans for the next episode and the the ongoing years are. Yeah. Do you you want to do that or do you want me to take the helm on that? Yeah, why do you do that? Because I lose track of things very quickly. Okay. All right. So our next episode is going to be best of season one for channel two. So this is going to be this episode and the four before it. Um, and what we're going to do, we, we haven't figured out all the nuances of the format, but we know that we're going to each pick two tracks per episode, uh, one of our own tracks and one of the other guys tracks. And, and that's more tracks, but we don't think the episode will be too much longer because we've already talked about all the tracks. We won't have to say so much, you know, when we're talking about them. Um, and then starting in 2022 uh, we've had an i've had a number of people ask me for this uh to go from four episodes a year to six so starting in 2022 there's going to be six episodes of channel two every year and every december will be best of season x where it'll be the same thing with the five episodes earlier in the year so um if you and i if you and or myself can't make all six episodes we already have a like five people who said we'd be happy to be backups so we might we might bust into those guys if we can't make each episode but yes starting next year six episodes a year um and then yeah i i think that's i think that's it for show stuff but we gotta we gotta do the typical housekeeping we gotta talk about retro game club yeah it's a little podcast i do retro game club we talk about uh like homebrew rom hacks we have a segment called doom running on things as a new <laughs> regular segment where we talk about what crazy things people have gotten doomed to run on in the past week um it, originally that came out of the fact that every week we were talking about doom running on something it seemed <laughs> um people love making doom run on things and yeah you just uh, get it on wherever you listen to podcasts uh you get 
your sh- that show's been going on now for what three years? Um, probably. Yeah, we just did our hundredth episode. We often record weekly, but sometimes bi-weekly. Okay. We we don't have like a real firm schedule because we both have like kids and jobs <laughs> and travel and stuff. Okay. I guess not a lot of travel, but you know stuff. We both have stuff. That's that's the key takeaway. A lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's a great show. It's a great show. If you are not listening to it, listener, start listening to it. Um, my shows, obviously, you know Channel 2 because you're listening to it. Uh, Channel 1 has been going since uh, January of 2017, and it's it's still video game music. You know, it's still me. But apart from that, it's about as different as it can be. It's a, it's a m- mixtape style or radio music style program. Uh, minimal talking, maximal music, uninterrupted music, so it takes you on a journey. As as Hugh has said in the past, it's you know great to listen to while you're programming or is, while yeah. you're at the office, and you know it's channel two is more engaging than channel one, but channel one is great background music, you know. Uh, but I I put so much so many twists into the music block also that it also warrants paying active attention if you want. Uh, either way you listen to it, it makes me happy that you, just because you're listening, but. Um, they're, they're, uh, Nerd Noise Radio, of course. Um, I probably don't even need to say this, but it's on Spotify, it's on Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Verbal, Podbean. Uh, it's on iTunes, and they're, by extension of being on iTunes, it's on any podcatcher that you use. I use Podcast Addict uh, myself, and it's there. So um, it's on archive.org, it's on Blogspot, it's on Facebook and Twitter. So just find us, connect with us. I, you know, our, we have a we have a decent number of listeners, uh, but we don't have a ton of active engagers. And so, if you've been listening for a while and you enjoy it, drop us a line, let us know, and we'd, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, we've already talked about what the next episode is going to be. So, I really think all that's left here is to to introduce your final track, talk about it, and then say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with. Um a game called Zero Four Champ Two, which is confusing because it has three numbers in the title, <laughs> um, and it's for PC Engine CD. And this is a kind of you know average racing game that has a few standout music tracks. Um, there's two composers listed: uh, Takashi Ajima and Katsuro Hayashi. Um, Katsuro Hayashi seems to be who actually probably did the soundtrack, um, just based on the fact that. He's credited as a composer for a lot of games around this time period. Um, a lot of PC Engine, you know, some PC Engine stuff, a few other racing games. And uh, this, uh, I like this one. It sounds like something you would hear in like a, a Top Gun movie to me. Like if you made an 80s, um, you know, an 80s adrenaline movie, this is the kind of song you would hear in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, um... <laughs> It's from a 90s game, but it definitely has that 80s movie feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, just a ton of adrenaline. Just it's a, It's got a lot of rock and guitars. Um, like I picture the guitarist using like an Ibanez or a Jackson guitar on it. Um, but then you've got the, the synthesizer that's a little bit of sour cream on top of the fiery nachos. You know what I mean? Um, it's It's fun. I have nothing bad to say about this track at all. It's it's uh, it's 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 weird that we would 
go out on such an energetic note. You know, usually we try to open more energetically and leave on a chiller note. This is def. Well, I will say this is definitely not N64 Cheese Whiz. Yeah. Yeah, because that was a question last time, whether we were going to make a thing of that. And this is decisively answering that question in the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great track. I love it. It's a great one to take us out on. Um, so we'll be back in December for Best of Season 1. Uh, in the meantime, check out Hugh's other stuff. Check out my other stuff. And we, we very much look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, and thank you for listening. by Hiroto Saito and or Nozumo Nozumu Nozomu okay <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna edit I think I'll edit this down a little bit uh, composed by Hiroto Saito and or Nozomu Takahashi God I shit the bed on that one <laughs> that's alright yeah yeah I'm, I uh, decided to go with this uh, blah 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 let me get it over I decided to pick a uh, track from Live Alive uh, yes. Hold on. Oh, no, I lost my place. Oh, shoot. I'm in trouble. You're in trouble? Um, yes. I think I can, I think I can move enough stuff to fix it in time, but this is recording on the boot drive, which is not very big. Uh, okay. So we'll, well, we got to wrap up soon anyway, so we'll just, before you run out of space. Well, so I, the... The last notification I got is I had 172 megabytes left, but I'm moving a bunch of big folders. Okay. So hopefully that'll save us. Oh, this is great. So if you search Miho Nakayama, it does come from Spotify, but unfortunately the results are in Japanese. So it's going to be very hard for me to track. Which, this is the artist. Okay. All right, Tempo. Let's see discography. Oh, uh, boy.
this was a bad idea. Okay. God, I hope I don't run out of space. <laughs> this is actually stressful for me because <laughs> we're racing the clock here. There we're it moving. is. I found the you Christmas found album. Yes. Like we have 5,000 different, you know, spirits we can buy in America. So it'd be very hard for us to have one that was the highest in the world. All right. So that is uh, Misty Blue. I use Okushiro. It's from Misty Blue. It's called I Want to Close to You. 